0: Welcome, we are so glad you have joined us today. Are you ready for another Bayside Christian Church podcast? Let's get straight into it. So, my name's Fiona. I think some of you may have heard my testimony, I'm not sure. But if you have, you're going to hear it again. Um, I grew up in the Blue Mountains, my parents um, divorced when I was four years old. I, um, my very first memory of my childhood is not a good one, I was sitting in the um, lounge room of um, a house that we were in when we were in WA before we moved back to New South Wales. And um, my mother had um, come into the room. And I had been a little bit hysterical and she walked in and she just started beating me until I passed out. And I remember and she had me cradled in her arms. She was just weeping over me. And I've always looked back at that and thought, what did she go through? What did she go through to be like that? And my heart went out to her. So then um, uh, my father and mum broke up and it was not long after that that my sister and I ended up in a, um, a home for um, homeless kids. And my mother ended up in a mental institution. And my grandmother, Um, she actually flew over and got us all out and brought us back to New South Wales my mother um, met another man and my first introduction was I was sitting on the steps of our new home and this big tall man really tall he was like 6 foot um, he probably looked taller than that I was only 6 but he was a really big man and um he walked in the gate and I was like sitting on the steps like this and he said, where's your mother? And I said, she's inside. And he um, had really big feet and he just kicked me out of the way. And so that was the introduction to my new stepdad. That she wanted to marry him and we moved in with him and his three boys. Um, the abuse started pretty early. There was uh, physical sexual abuse um, from both my stepfather and his sons, and um, that started at the age I was sexually molested at gunpoint, and that um, continued right up until I was 12 years old. And I'd gone to my mother and said, I can't do this, please leave him. And she said, no, I can't, I love him. And I said, well, I can't stay here anymore. I've got to go. So that's when I lived on the streets and I found an old church. And in the old church there was like, you know those hedges? They're, They're really thick, bushy hedges. I found them, and there was like it looked like a little cave in these hedges, and I made myself a little home in there, and I stole um, some things from home, like pillow and blankets and some food and stuff like that, and I made this little place my home, and I lived there for quite a long time, until somebody found it and stole all my stuff, and I couldn't go back there. So from then on, I was just sort of roaming the streets and and living in abandoned buildings. And and, um, it was very cold in the Blue Mountains. I would climb in the Vinnie's bins just to keep warm. And um, I just had to do whatever I could do to survive. So I stole um, a lot of things. Occasionally, I would sneak home and break in when I knew everybody was, um, nobody was at home and um, one day I went there because I just wanted to have a shower, I never showered, I was really dirty all the time and one day my stepfather came home and he caught me and he had like this little stash of money that I knew where it was and I was in there and I was trying to steal some money so I could buy some food and he caught me in there and he, there was a bed there and the wardrobe was here and he walked in the door there and I turned around and I saw him and he walked around there and I jumped over the bed and just ran out the door with him checking the gun and I ran down the driveway and he shot at me. And again. So that was really hard for me because my sister was there. But um, my grandmother, who absolutely adored her, um, took her in a lot and cared for her a lot. She didn't, um, she also suffered abuse as well, so unfortunately she didn't, wasn't free of that even though she was at my grandmother's house. So I lived on the streets and I managed to get a job. Um, because I didn't want to just stay on the streets. But by the time I was um, around 14, I was drinking a lot, drinking a lot. And by the time I was 16, I was doing drugs. And by the time I was 18, I was dealing drugs. And my life just kept spiraling down. At the age of 19, I OD'd. And it's a day that I will never, ever forget. Um, I had a and I knew as soon as I took it, this is not good. And I felt like I just needed to go and lay down. So I went into my room and my um, daughter, who at the time was about 18 months old, she was awake and she was standing in the cot. And just smiling at me and I walked in and I went to get in my bed and I didn't make it and I fell back on the wall and last thing I saw daughter's face just smiling at me now I'm gonna tell you I woke up place that you would never want to go to and it wasn't heaven that's all I can say and I experienced this place that I would never want anyone to go to. It is horrific. Well I woke up um, but in this place I saw this light and I knew that I had to get to that light but I didn't know how to get there. I couldn't get there. There was no way out of this place but I knew that that light was the light that would save me. I woke up with two people resuscitating me and yelling at me saying you just died, you're just freaking out because now I've got this memory of this horrific place that I just come from but I put it down to and I was hallucinating and I'd had a really bad hit sort of thing and I was just hallucinating and for another four years. And then I met that light, I met that light, and that light was Jesus. And when he entered my life, he changed it forever. Now it wasn't perfect, it was far from it, but for the first time in my life, I had hope. I never had that before. I had no one in my life that cared for me, I had no one that loved me. My mum was just um, very mentally ill. She didn't even know what love is, I believe. And um, I had no father figure. And um, I had no hope, it was hopeless. I hated the world and I hated everything. I slept with a knife under my pillow. I'd, um, I'd stabbed people just out of frustration, anger, I was a very ang- angry girl, and I didn't at was, why was I here? Why was I on this planet? Because for me, I felt like the only reason I was here was to be tortured. That was it. And that just didn't make any sense to me, and I'm like, why am I here? So I tried to kill myself so many times, but And I would get frustrated that it wouldn't work. I'd just be so frustrated because I didn't want to be here in this place. I hated it. And um, so then Jesus entered my life and suddenly I've got this hope. And I just couldn't understand how with this Jesus that I suddenly had hope to live. So then he started taking me on a journey of healing but six months after, by the time I met Jesus, I actually had three kids, and um, and when um, about six months after I gave my heart to the Lord, my youngest son um, was diagnosed with a brain, and he was eighteen months old at the time, and I remember thinking, why? I just gave my heart to you. What what's going on? I didn't understand that you know, you still have bad things happen. I thought, this is my saviour. He's going to protect me from everything now. But he wasn't a magician and that he just doesn't go like that and fix everything. But what he was, was a God that says, you will have trouble, but I am with you and I will help you get through that trouble. And that is the key of hanging on to Jesus no matter what you go through he will get you through it but we have to hang on to him and I knew that I thought I need to hang on to this Jesus right now because I don't know what this road's gonna look like my son's now been diagnosed with cancer he's 18 months old I'm a single mom I have these two kids and what do I do So we went on a journey with Luke with chemo, radio, he had surgery a couple of times and at the age of nine, um, it was actually, I'll I'll just backtrack and tell you this, it was about um, eight months after he was diagnosed and I knew that I couldn't do this as well. As go through all this and I was in a church service one day and I was just pouring my heart out to God and God gives me a lot of visions I see a lot of things in the Spirit and he reveals a lot to me through the Spirit and he always gives me scripture to go with it but this particular day I was in the Spirit and Jesus came In front of me I held my hands out both Luke laying across my hands and I just said Jesus he's yours he's not mine he's yours have your will in his life and help me get through whatever it is I have to get through that's all I'm asking and Jesus walked over and he took Luke out of my hands that day and he smiled at me and it was peace And then he walked away with Luke. Well, the other thing about that was I had to surrender him to him because I couldn't carry him. But the day Luke was born, I knew that I wasn't going to have him for long. I didn't know how, but I knew I wasn't going to have him for long. And at the age of nine, he went to go with Jesus. He went to be with Jesus. And the Lord blessed me by showing me Luke walking To the gates of heaven and I saw him walking down this narrow path it was a narrow path and this side was rocky and this side was green and beautiful and lush and he was walking down this narrow path and all of a sudden I saw these massive gates and they opened and Jesus was standing there and Luke got to the gates and he stopped And then Jesus knelt down to his level he was a tiny little thing and Luke just ran into the arms of Jesus and I knew that day it was gonna be okay and I thanked God and I praised God for the time that I had him and I thanked God and I praised God that he got me through that and I thanked him that I'd see him again one day Well, four four years after that, um, my youngest daughter was diagnosed with a brain tumour. And I'm like, okay, this is crazy. What's going on here? They're saying, Lord, you're going to get me through this, but Jesus to hang on to. What do you do with that? Two children now with brain tumours, one's with the Lord, and now I'm going through it all over again. Thankfully, Alana's was different to Luke's. It wasn't malignant, it was benign, and she's here today, she's 23 years old. She does have medical conditions, but she's here, and she loves God, and she loves God. But when she was diagnosed, she was half blind in one eye and completely blind in the other. And the doctors said to me, we don't think we're gonna be able to save her sight. So the day that she went in the operation, I just said, Lord, save her sight. This is going to be hard enough for her. Please don't make it any harder. Save that at least. And i never forget when she rolled out of the operation, she opened up and she said, hi, Mama. And I knew that he saved her sight. And she knew that too. It was my journey, my very short journey with Jesus straight up, straight up there. But there was something in me that I knew that he was the only one that could get me through everything that I was going through. Everything that I was going through. Because he says that I will never leave you and I will never forsake you, no matter what is going on. And there is no weapon formed against me that I will allow to bring me down. Because I have Jesus and he will fight for me. It might be a battle, but I have the victory no matter what. So about five years ago, in that time, he took me down this massive healing journey. And I had had to have cast. And um, I remember my count. I remember this clearly because I thought, only that. And he looked at me one day, you know what? He said, what? through?" He said, in the world... You would be in counselling for years and years and years. And I don't even know if you'd ever come out of it. And he said, but you've had six months and God's just gone bang in six months and just healed and restored. And he said to me, you are so strong. And I went, no, I'm not. I'm actually not. I am not because he's my strength when I am weak. So all glory goes to him. I can't take any glory whatsoever for my life, me being strong, because I'm not. Because if I didn't have him, I know where I'd be. I know exactly where I'd be. So anyway, five years ago, I was paralysed. And it's like that. It happened so quickly. And it all started with a a sorto. And I went to the doctor and it was a weird sore toe. It was like a really bad bruise that never went away. And I said, oh, I've got this sore toe. And he was like, mm, it's a sore toe. What do you want me to do about it? Just, just keep an eye on it. And I was like, okay. And I noticed that that's numb. So I went back to another doctor and I said, look, this is what happened eight months ago. Now it's numb. And he said, do you have back problems? And I'm like, well, no. I was working in, in um, mental health and, um, and disabilities. And I was a hairdresser as well. So I was full on working, never had any back pain. And he said, I think we need to get it checked out. So he checked it out and I ended up having bulging discs to the point that he said, you need to quit everything and you need to go home and just lay down and do nothing and we need to get you to see a specialist. So he gets me to see this specialist and um, he does all these tests and the specialist instantly said, you need surgery. And I'm like, no, I'm not going there, I don't want surgery. I just had a really bad feeling about having surgery. I said, give me the injection, give me needles, give me something, but not that. And he said, you're too far gone, you have to have surgery. And I'm like, okay, okay, I've got to have surgery. And I just had a bad feeling I didn't want to have it. Anyway, so he sent me home, had to do nothing. Um, my husband at the t- my husband Chris, here, out the front, um, he was an atheist, a full-on atheist. He used to ba for my belief. He'd actually asked me questions all the time, and I never preached to him, I never talked to him about. It. But he always asked me questions and I'd answer the questions and then I'd pay for the answering the questions. But anyway, so he was an atheist and um, so they wanted me to have surgery. I was only home for about two weeks. It was two weeks? Two weeks. I think it was about two weeks. And one day I woke up in the morning and I went to get out of bed and this leg would not move. And I had to pick it up and turn around and it just went like that. And I just freaked. Chris freaked and he rang the doctor and the doctor said, just keep her still. I need to get hold of the specialist. The specialist was overseas somewhere. He wasn't getting back till the following week. And he said, you just need to let her lay down. Well, two days later, the other one went. I was completely paralyzed from the waist down. I got rushed down to um, Newcastle and um, bed there, and I um, something happened. I got some sort of infection in the in the thing from the discs or some some. Sort. I actually died on the table, and Chris was there, um, begging. He didn't know God, but he was begging that I wouldn't die and obviously I came back, and then the following week they put me in surgery. Well, when I went in, the doctors said to me, they said, Fiona, I think that your left leg will come back. Fine, because it was the last one to go. it may take a while. I came out, my right side started to come back and the left one didn't. And they always said, you're a very unusual case. I said, my whole life's an unusual case. (laughs) Anyway. So then they wanted to go on the journey of doing, um, get my legs working and everything. The months and months going by, I'm not getting better. I'm actually getting worse. It got to the point where they said that, um, and I was in pain, chronic pain. I was not in pain before surgery. After surgery, I was in absolute chronic pain, just full time, 24 7 pain. Chris became my 24-hour carer. I couldn't do anything. I couldn't shower on my own. I couldn't go to the toilet, dress myself. I couldn't do a thing. He had to do everything. Anyway, so I was declining and getting worse. And um, the doctors actually said to me, look, there's no hope. We, you're not going to get better. You're going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of your life and you're going to be in chronic pain for the rest of your life. And I was like, okay, what do I do with that? I was a mess. I was just a mess. But I had Jesus and he was the only thing I could hang on to. Um, My husband didn't know God, so it was a really lonely, lonely road. And I just hung on to him. Anyway, Chris um, I had to end up, he was getting a wheelchair and because I'd been the other side again and I went completely paralysed again and that's when they said they couldn't do anything. Well, I had um, some ministers that were coming to um, pray with me and um, one day he'd said that he had a guest and could he bring him over to pray for him? And I said, yeah, sure. But a week before that happened, I woke up every morning and I heard a voice and it said, just believe I am who I say I am. I thought I was going crazy, so I ignored it the next day. Just believe I am who I say I am. Ignored it again the next day. Just believe I am who I say I am. Weak. I was annoyed and frustrated and I knew it was God and I just yelled out and I said God what do you want from me I do believe you are who you say you are what do you want from me and he said you have great faith but do you trust that I can move this mountain and I was thinking and I was like I actually don't trust you, God. Why would I trust you? I believe in you. I love you. You've got me through all these things, but I find it hard to trust you because these things just keep happening to me. Like, what's that about? And all of a sudden, he just flashed my whole life in front of me right to the day that I was a little baby. And my mother walked in, beat me and beat me and beat me. And then that vision changed to another vision. When I was on the streets, it's very dangerous. For I came out of danger and went into danger. And also in my background is a lot of satanic stuff. I was into a lot of satanic type things. But this particular day when I was on the streets somebody caught me and held me um, with a knife to my throat and did some terrible things to me. I thought I was going to die that day. But in this vision, when God was showing me that, when I was a baby in the cot, I saw Jesus standing in the corner weeping. He was weeping at what was happening to me. When I went to that part of the vision with the knife, I saw Jesus kneeling at the foot for my life. When I saw that, I just went, I trust you. How could I not trust you? You were there when I didn't even know you. You were there the whole time And I didn't even know you. How much more are you going to be here for me now that I know you? And I just went, I'm yours. I am yours. And I said, Lord, I don't care if I have to stay like this for the rest of my life. I will worship you. I will praise you. And I will love you for the rest of my life. But can you do me one thing? I'll stay like this. I don't care. But just do me one thing. Save the man I love from the pits of hell. Save him, Lord. I'm willing to stay this way, but save him. Anyway, that day, pastors came up to the house. Now, Chris's God was the V8 supercars. (laughs) And they were on that day that the pastors were coming. said, I've got these pastors to pray for me and that he went in the other room to watch his God. So he left me in the lounge room and the pastors walked up and his name is Pastor Linus Perry and uh, Terry Carhill and um, they both came up and we just had a little chat and Oh, and the other pastor, Philip Brown, he was the one coming with his wife praying for me before, that he was there as well. Anyway, Pastor Linus looked at me and he said, Fiona, he said, do you believe God can heal? And I said, yeah, of course I do. And he said, didn't you have a child that died? And I looked at him and I looked at the other pastor and and Pastor Philip said, I haven't told him anything, I haven't had a chance. And I went, yeah, I did have a have a child that died. My son died. But that doesn't mean I don't believe God can heal. And he goes, yes, you have great faith. And he said, I'm going to pray for you. And I call it my four-second prayer. And he said, it's just simple. And he held my hand and he said, Lord, please help Fiona. And that was it. And I looked at him and he said, he does the work I just ask. And I loved that. I loved that. We ask, and he does the work. He's the one with the power, not us. So uh, he just asked. Anyway, we chatted for a bit, then they left. And as I was leaving, Pastor Linus walked back up the stairs and came up. And he looked at me, and he said, Fiona, within the hour, you will be walking. And I went, oh, okay. Nothing had happened. And he left. So I called. And he put the, put the V8s back on in the lounge room. And it was only like half an hour later and I was sitting there. And it's so hard to explain. And it was like all of a sudden I wasn't there. My body physically was there but my spirit was with God. And I was just communing with him. And Chris had turned around and looked at me and he said, Fiona, what's wrong with you? because he said I had this glow on my face. And I said, Chris, you wouldn't understand because you don't believe in God. And he just thought, oh, nutcase. He just thought, she's lost the plot. And I said, you don't understand because you don't know God. I said, I'm going to have to show you. Now, every time I was saying something, my brain wasn't registering what I was saying. And all of a sudden, I for warmth from here and it went all the way down my, to my feet and I had um, specially made braces for my leg to hold them in place because they were just floppy. You could bash them with a hammer and I couldn't feel it. I couldn't feel it. All the pain I had was internal. Not That's how gone they were. Deteriorated so much I had no muscle left. My legs were as skinny as my arms. There was just no muscle tone left. And I had this warmth go all the way down me and then I heard a voice, get up and walk. Get up and walk. And I turned around to Chris and I said, I've got to get up and walk. Well, he was just thinking what's going on. Honestly, I just got up like that. And as I got up, he's going, no, because he thought that I'd fall over. And I got up and I walked, normal, just like this. And I turn around and I walked back and I sat back down on the chair and I was like, what just happened? I was just freaked out because it happened so quick, my mind could not comprehend what was going on. And Chris turned around and I looked at him and he was like, This, what's going on? What's going on? And I said, Chris, it's God. God's going on. He just healed me. He just healed me. And oh, he was so that I felt like I just had to sit, me walking, because he cared for me that whole time. And the amazing thing about that was my muscle tone didn't grow back now if you know anything your muscles is what makes your feet move I didn't have any I did not have any and I was walking with no muscle tone well that day I had been out of church for a long time because I thought I'm not going to go back to church that night I went to church Chris down the carton, and he didn't get drunk. That's another miracle. Because he was so freaked out, he didn't know what to do but drink. And I went to church. So I went to church that night, and the Pastor Linus, who was flying back to America the next day, was at the night service, and I got to the church, and I walked in. And I walked up the front and they all turned around and everyone was crying because people had been praying and they knew that I was paralysed and I was never going to be healed according to the doctors. I was going to be in a wheelchair for the rest of my life. And I walked up the front and I said, God just healed me. And the whole place just broke down. On that day, I have surrendered my life. Now six months it took, this is stubborn, okay, really, really stubborn. (laughs) Six months after I was walking, I actually went to the doctor, I have to tell you that I went back to the doctor, I said, Chris, I've got to go to the doctor's. And he said, what are you going to tell him? (laughs) And I said, I'm going to tell him the truth. I cannot deny what God just did for me. I will never deny what Jesus Christ just did for me. I don't care how crazy people think I am. I will never deny anything that he's done in my life, ever. So we went to the doctors and he's freaking out again. He's going, you better be careful. They'll end up locking you up. And I'm going, I don't care. So we're in the waiting room. Doctor comes out. I get up and walk to him and he nearly passed out. And he's like, what's going on? And I said, come in here and I'll tell you the story. So then I shared the story with him. Chris was thinking that the doctor was going to say that it was some medical thing that kicked in my brain and all of a sudden I started walking. Well, the doctor then turned around to Chris and started sharing some miracles that he'd witnessed in Egypt. He was a born again believer. And he turned around to Chris and he said, this doesn't even make you think that there's a God. She was never gonna walk again. Anyway, that started his journey to finding Jesus. But he was very stubborn. Six months later, he's going, God, you gotta do better than that. (laughs) I'm like, who says that to God? You gotta do better than that. He does. Anyway, so he went on his own journey. Praise God. He met Jesus and he's fanatical about Jesus and just loves him with everything in him. But what I want to tell you tonight is the God I know, Jesus Christ, he makes everything that's impossible possible. He is a God, okay? One thing that I really want to get across is that He already did it all on the cross. He did everything on that cross, okay? Now, what we tend to do is we'll get prayer for different things, okay? Things will be broken off our life. But the thing is, you need to know he's done it. You need to do your bit and walk in it. It's walking in what he's already done, So, if you get prayer and you get that addiction broken off, you get um, witchcraft broken off, you get whatever broken off out of your life, you walk in that. He's already done it. And it's about renewing your mind and knowing, and that's the other thing, He is not a feeling. Our feelings can deceive ourselves. He is a knowing. He is an experience. We experience him and we know with everything in us that he says who he says he is. And I just wanna say to you tonight, I know that there is people out there that need healing. And I believe that tonight there is a diversion of healing. It's not, there's people that have been so broken That their souls are in prison. Now there's a scripture and it's Psalm 142.7. Take my soul out of prison that I may praise your name. That's what he wants to do tonight. For those ones that are broken have no hope. He is the God that heals physically, spiritually and mentally. And he wants to heal you tonight. Is all you have to do is believe it and walk in it and claim it. And don't listen to the devil when he says it didn't happen. I am a living testimony for the proof of the power of God. And I will do everything in my power to make sure the world knows who he is in my life because I'm hopeless. And I had no hope. And now I have every hope. And no matter what comes my way, no weapon formed against me will ever prosper. Because my Jesus took it all to the cross. And he rose again to give us life. You can have freedom now. You don't have to wait to go to heaven. You can have it now. That's why he came. Bring heaven to earth. He brought heaven to earth. You can have it today, but the choice is yours. The choice is yours. And I ask you, what is your answer to that question? Do you want freedom today? Thank you for joining us. Bayside Christian Church Community aims to transform our city and beyond with the life and power of Jesus Christ. If you want to know more or just keep in touch, Check us out at www.baysidechristianchurch.com.au or on our social media pages at Bayside Christian Church.